Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope that this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy this message. All right, well, we're going to celebrate a little before I dive into the sermon. Uh, two weeks in a row, baptisms here at Troy. Sydney's got one coming up. 20 people baptized at the Valley. Yeah, we clap. You guys don't even need cued. We clap. 20 people. Uh, our Sydney location, which is, what, five months old, started at the end of September. Football Sunday had 380 people. That's unheard of. Yeah. Uh, Cindy is doing an absolutely amazing job there, and, the, and all those volunteers, Brendan and others, are doing an incredible job. Um, man, we just, so this is one, so... You know, I was reaching, so we're part of a larger tribe. Some of you know, some of you don't, part of the Church of Nazarene, which is a denomination. And um, in doing this multi-site thing is not, the, you know, the simplest thing to do. And so I'm like, man, I need to talk to someone. I need to, I need to find someone in our tribe who, who has three locations or more than four, th- uh, three locations to strategize with, to pick their brain. I just go to leaders a lot of times and tell them, I don't know the right question to ask. You ask me the question I need to ask and we'll go from there. So that's what I was trying to do. And I was networking all across the country with different, you know, connections. And uh, finally, I couldn't find anyone. Finally, someone texted me and says, the Valley Church, out of 5,000 Nazarene churches in the United States and Canada, uh, is the only church that has three locations with 200 or more at each location. In fact, their text back to me was, you are the Nazarene unicorn, <laughs> which my wife got a kick out of. That's amazing. I mean, that, that's, here. yeah, yeah. I, uh, I quickly texted Pastor Andy. I said, hey, you know, it's awesome. Like what you did, the sending culture that's been created here. I always applaud our Piqua campus on the sending culture that you've shown of releasing people, finances, leaders to reach the kingdom. Sydney would not be in this situation right now. Troy would not be in this situation right now of an expansion of 8,000 more square feet at Troy being added just for kids in the next couple of months. It's because of what your generosity It's because of you releasing and, uh, one of the books that we're reading as a board and as a staff is Gaining by Losing. The kingdom is gaining. There's loss, right? There's loss of people that friends, family even, maybe who went to another location of finances, of leaders, uh, but the kingdom wins and, and we're just getting started and we're gonna celebrate even more uh, throughout the sermon today. Uh, I, am a try, I try to live a simple life. Life can be complicated enough. So I try to live as simple as a life of a, as I can. If I were to simplify my life into three words that start with the same letter, I would say my, my likes and interests are books, baseball, and blueberries. There's as simple as you can get. I love to read, I love to learn, so I'm always in some book or, or something, or reading an article or a journal or something like that, so that's just who I am, that's how I've always been wired. Uh, baseball is my thing, I played through college, coached for 20 years, I, I, spring training started the other day. I'm sure all of you were like me yesterday on the MLB network watching a spring training game. Okay, well, okay, a couple of, yeah, okay. Um, Actually, I have a flight at 2.20 today to Florida for some meetings, so this service won't go super long, <laughs> so I don't miss my flight. But it's uh, some, like, I might skip one of these meetings because the Phillies play the Blue Jays in Clearwater, but we'll see. Um, and then blueberries. Any blueberry aficionados, show of hands? Do I have any other? Okay, a few of us. Well, I wish there was more of us. Some of you are just shy. Don't be shy. Um, 
I grew up in central Pennsylvania, so uh, we would go pick blueberries at different farms there. I have a lot of family in the Philadelphia, New Jersey area, Jersey blueberries. That was a family tradition. On the 4th of July, we would always get together with my grandparents and we'd go blueberry picking in the fields, in the fields of um, New Jersey. Uh, I am a blueberry snob. Just gonna be straight up. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you could blind, if you blindfolded me, I would be able to tell you the difference on a taste test of a California blueberry, a Michigan blueberry, or a New Jersey blueberry, or the ones we see in the grocery store right now, which are some California ones, but also from like Chile and some Central American, South American countries. Um, I will tell you the best ones, in my opinion, are the New Jersey followed by the Michigan. When I was single. Um, I didn't get married until I was 34, so I, I was single. Uh, my dinners, most nights, because uh, I coached too, so I get home around seven, were Subway, popcorn, and blueberries. You'd be stunned, you guys won't be, but you gals, how many days in a row, how many weeks in a row you can have for dinner a Subway sub, a, ba pop, a bag of popcorn, and a pint of blueberries. In fact, when blueberries were on sale, uh, which doesn't happen often anymore in this sense, but when they were 99 cents, and back in the single days, I, I've toned it down a little bit now, but I would, take, I would take a $20 bill into Walmart or Kroger or wherever and buy 20 pints of blueberries. I'm serious. I would eat four of them at least on the ride home, which is not the best thing for your digestive system, but you know. Um, and I re recently read this article. <laughs> I read this article that a small percentage of the population, uh, when they overeat blueberries, you would think it's actually healthy for you, but some people's bodies don't break down this chemical called oxalate, and it causes kidney stones. I've had three kidney stones. Not the brightest bulb in the room, but I was like, I wonder. And if you've ever had a kidney stone, you don't want another one. Uh, they've always had me in the fetal position on my knees, in the emergency room, usually at some point before all the drugs pump into the veins. If you chose life or death, I would choose death. Um, it's that, but you know me, I, this is how much I love blueberries. I read that article the other day and said, I'm willing to roll the dice. Because <laughs> I love my blueberries. So if you see me post someday on Facebook or Instagram that I'm in the ER with a kidney stone, now you know why. But even though if you love blueberries like I do, have you ever eaten a bitter blueberry? I mean, as much as I love blueberries to the pint load, I don't just eat a handful, pint load, a bitter blueberry is nasty. Maybe you don't like blueberries, but have you ever had like bitten into an, an, or a lemon or a grapefruit that's, that's not ripe, right? And let me, I need participation here. Give me a facial expression that you make when you taste something bitter, go. Some of you are smiling, but you're delusional, okay? Right? <laughs> The word bitter elicits a puckering of the face, doesn't it? The facial muscles creep in, the lips go out. I think if I were to say to you the word bitter or put it into your, into your thought life, it does not elicit a warm, fuzzy response. Let me take it from a blueberry, from a grapefruit, from a lemon to bitterness in our life. Same deal, right? If you're walking around with bitterness, if you've experienced bitterness, if you know someone and you would, you would define them as someone who is bitter, are you gonna then think in your mind, oh man, they gotta be happy. 
And they got to be joyful. Of course not, right? If you're today with us or joining us online and you have some bitterness for whatever reason, it causes not just your face, but like even internally to just clench. Now that bitterness could have a lot of different roots. Bitterness tends to be a root evident, the, the symptoms are evidenced, but the root is bitterness. That could be something that someone said to you as a kid. That old adage, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words would never hurt me. That's a lie, right? Because all of us remember something someone said potentially decades ago that just seared within us. Maybe some bitterness has crept in because your body is failing. You didn't expect your body to be in this position, but now you are and you don't, maybe, you've, maybe today too, you've never equated bitterness as the root, but your mind's starting to go there and that's, that's what's going on. Maybe that bitterness is from decisions that you have made in your life. You've just made bad decision after bad decision and it's caused bitterness. Maybe it's a relationship that failed. Maybe it's a marriage that failed and it's caused bitterness. Maybe it's something that someone did to you. And some of the things that some of you have had people do to you, I can't imagine what you're going through or have gone through, but it's created this root of bitterness, intense bitterness. Whatever the cause might be, and maybe that's not you today, maybe that's been you before, maybe that's someone that you know, but I think all of us can kind of understand what it's like to have a season or have years where we're rooted in bitterness. And the question is, what do we do about that? And what can God do about that? So I want you to hold that thought. I want you to hold this, this thought of bitterness or this root, or maybe you're processing, because our minds allow us to hear something and process at the same time. And your mind's going through this mental Rolodex, I'll age myself, that's the thing we used to keep phone numbers on. Um, and you're like, you know, I, don't, I never thought about bitterness. I know I'm not happy, I know I'm angry, I know I'm hurt. But I never actually used the word bitter, but now you got me thinking, Mark. I want you to hold on to that. Today is week two of the series. The series is called Victory. I like to win. I'm pretty competitive. I don't actually even play, this is how bad I am. If I can't win, I will not play. That would be a sore loser. No, not necessarily, because I don't even play, I don't even allow myself to lose. I like to win. I played sports a long time. I coached a long time. I have a lot better memories about games we won than games we lost, right? And what's it look like to win in the faith? And what's it look like to win through Jesus's eyes? Ryan did a great job kicking it off last week, and if you missed that, I encourage you to go to the, the Pickwell YouTube channel and check that out. The theme verse for this series is Luke 4. And so we're gonna look at that today, and I'm gonna unpack what is each week of this series, and what does victory look like in four different dimensions from God's kingdom? Let's check it out. Luke 4, verse 16 says this. It says, he, being Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And that's where he was born. In fact, the Bible says, can anything good come from Nazareth? And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, was his custom. I'll stop there. Even Jesus went to church. How often? As his custom, a.k.a. regular. I'm speaking to the choir right now because you're here. But I, I, every time I read this, I'm like, if Jesus went to church regularly, Jesus, yes, he was fully man, 100% man. If Jesus went, hmm, okay, I'll leave it there. He stood up to read. 
And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. Now, picture this. Jesus sitting in the audience. They call him up. He comes up. The attendant pastor hands him a scroll. He walks in front of everyone, and he opens up the scroll. And it says he opens up to the Old Testament book called Isaiah. Now, it's actually Isaiah 61. You can read it for yourself at some point or now. And this is what he reads. It's actually a prophecy about him written 700 years before. The spirit of the Lord is on me because, and this is the fourfold aspect of this series of victory, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, number one. Jesus' kingdom functions to bring good news and victory and winning for the poor. He has sent me, sending, see how we talk, we send people. He has sent me, God's ascending God, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. That's spiritual prisoners, that's spiritual bondage. Number two, for the poor, his kingdom functions for the poor. His kingdom functions and his rule, his kingdom is his rule and reign. God's rule and reign starts in the heart of people and that's the spiritual side where he, we have to realize that sin causes brokenness and we have to have a savior for that. Third one is this, and recovery of sight for the what? Blind, the physical. Spiritual, physical, economical, AKA poor, and to set the what? Oppressed, free, social. Not me saying it, Jesus. Prophecy about him, that Jesus, when he would show up and his kingdom would start, it's gonna be a kingdom that makes a difference in the lives of people spiritually, economically, if his people do what he calls them to do, socially, if his people call, do what they call to do, and today what we're gonna talk about, which is physically. Then Jesus ends with this. He says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that was the year of ju Jubilee from the Old Testament. Then he rolled up the scroll, I love this. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down, and all the eyes of the synagogue were fastened on him. So now he's sitting down, he's not even up, and he says to them, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing comes up, gets the scroll, opens it up, prophecy about himself. His kingdom's gonna make a difference physically. It's gonna make a difference socially, economically, and spiritually. He rolls up the scroll, he hands it back, AKA first century mic drop, and he sits down and paraphrasing, it's game time. It's time to win. It's time to win. It's time to see people become victorious spiritually. It's time to see people become victorious physically. It's time to see the poor reached, and it's time to see the marginalized reached. And, Jesus, and all the religious leaders had no idea. Actually, you can read this passage a little bit longer. He came into the setting, and they are cheering him on, and how awesome he is. He shares this. He says this, and by the end of it, they were trying to kill him. And that continued on for a few more years till they were finally, they thought, successful. Huh, no, not so. We're gonna celebrate that, as Josh said. Best news ever, best day ever. Three invites, we'll have a response time later to do that. Every kid, every teen, every adult, every location. And my prayer is we see hundreds and hundreds of lives in six short weeks radically transformed by the risen power of Jesus Christ. That could be my sermon day, but we got more, okay. Physically, what's this look like? That's what we're gonna look at today. What does it look like to see God's rule and reign come into the physical realm, or to see physical healing take place? There have been 400 years of slavery, of bondage by the Israelites. They were in Egypt. 
They were crying out to God all that time and, and, and things got worse and worse over time. The workload got worse. The amount of um, materials they had to get the job done got worse. The time to get it done, Pharaoh put all these things into place and they were under massive oppression. They cry out to God, God hears them. And he goes to Pharaoh and says, you set my people free. And Pharaoh's like, absolutely not because they are my economic powerhouse. Money has always been an issue in our culture. God sends a plague. It gets Pharaoh's attention. Pharaoh says, all right, they can go. Last minute, pulls back on his offer. We go over, you could read this in Exodus. It goes over and over. Finally, God causes the death of every firstborn. It's called what we celebrate as the Passover because they put blood on top of the doorpost that, God, that, that the angel of death, if you will, would pass over. And finally, he broke Pharaoh's back. He releases the people. They are three days in the journey. They're journeying in the Sinai Peninsula, which is a desert. I like participation. So when it comes to water in a desert, thumbs up if a lot of it, thumbs down if not much of it. One, two, three, very smart group, right? Three days in the desert, no source of water. Not only are their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouth, but they're starting to get some, not beyond dehydration, hallucination. I mean, they are on an edge right now that could be life or death. Like, are you kidding me, God? You just let us go, and you might have us die in this desert. So what do they do? They plead with Moses, who's their leader. They plead with God for water. The leaders of the group, they see in the horizon this shimmer. This shimmer, and they're like, it can't be, it can't be. And they get a little closer, and like, it is, it is. Bible doesn't say this, but it had to happen. They, would, they sprint to it. Why would you not, right? They run to the water. They get down on their hands and knees. They start lapping it up and start drinking it. Now, what would you think that the Bible would say thereafter? It quenched their thirst, right? They were relieved. It doesn't say that. Actually, it says that they spewed it out. They spit it out. Why did they spit it out? Because, and it comes back to that word we opened up today with, it was bitter, it was bitter. So what did they do? They do the same thing I would have done. We see it in Exodus chapter 15, verse 24. So the people did what? Exactly what I would do. They complained. <laughs> Are you kidding me, Moses? This is not again that they just haven't had water for four or five hours. They are on death's door. This is serious business. They grumbled about Moses. What are we to drink? Good question. Moses does the right thing. Moses didn't always do the right thing. We don't always do the right thing. Moses did the right thing. It says Moses cried out to God. God, what are you doing? They need you. We need you. We need water. And it goes on and says this. The Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became sweet. Now you can read that and be like, well, that's cool. That's an awesome piece of wood. <laughs> the wood's really not the point of the story. I'm reading it and I'm asking two questions. First question is this. Did God know that water was gonna be bitter? You ever ask, I think you should ask a lot of questions when you read the Bible. It was like Donnie said earlier, it's, this is a good place to have questions. Like, I, I want questions. I think if we just believe everything just because Mark said it or whatever, no, we gotta dig, we gotta dig. There are answers to your questions. That's why I'm confident. There are answers to your questions. But as I'm reading the Bible, I'm like, did God know the water was gonna be bitter? I think the answer is yes. So if the answer is yes, then what in the world is he doing? <laughs> why in the world would he mess with them like this? Here's the... Part of the answer, and we'll look at the totality of the answer as we read the rest of this text, 
God wanted to reveal himself to them. This is a painful thing about life. Um, God tends to reveal ourselves in the midst of pain and trials and suffering. I don't know about you, but if you were to ask me to raise my hand if I enjoy suffering, I would not only not raise my hand, I would sit on my hands to make sure I didn't try to be spiritual in the moment, right? right? I don't like suffering. I don't know if many of us do. Probably not. But it's in the midst of suffering, it's, the midst, it's in the midst of trials that God reveals himself in ways that he never could. Months ago, I preached here about unanswered prayer. We struggle with unanswered prayer. But what would happen if God answered every single one of our prayers? I'm not gonna speak for you, I'm gonna speak for myself. If God answered every single one of my prayers the way I would want him to answer it, I would be a absolute 100% spoiled brat. And I would be totally autonomous from God. And if I ever brought God into the picture, it would be just because he's my magic genie and I need something from him. God is always in the process of revealing and the unfortunate reality is he will reveal himself in ways we've never experienced him before in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our unanswered prayers, in the midst of our suffering. And what this shows us about God is something that's fascinating, that God desires a relationship with us. Think about any relationship that you have. Part of being in a relationship and staying in a relationship with someone is as more and more that person is revealed, you choose to stay with them. Those of you married today, your spouse is not who you thought they were when you were dating them. I think dating is just a big fat lie. <laughs> in dating, we, okay, in dating, you think that guy showers every day. You think he wears cologne, no, no, not just deodorant, actually cologne. You think he does all those things. Then you got married to him and you realize he doesn't even pick up his underwear every day. <laughs> Notice that I am wise, I didn't say smart, wise. I never pick on, I never use lady examples. I always pick on us guys with this kind of stuff, right? Because in dating, it's almost like I need to conceal who I really am so that they really like me, right? And then, right? But as time goes on, and that's what, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love doesn't keep record of wrongs. I mean, that's, that's, that's what love is. But in any relationship, there's a revelation process. And that's why we look and say, when I tell people I'm not into religion, I really mean that because it's all about a relationship. God's revealing himself to the people of Israel and subsequently us in some new way. So the question is, what's that way? What new way is God revealing to them in this passage, in this situation that might be applicable for us? Let's continue to read on. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them and there he tested them, all right, trials. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, in other words, you live in obedience, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, again, obedience, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. This is, the, this is where we're gonna camp for a few minutes today. Because, or for, I am the Lord who what? Heals you. This is the new aspect of his character that they had never seen before that he revealed to them that he is the Lord who heals. Now in the, in the Old Testament times, a name meant everything. 
Like you didn't just haphazardly name your children. You didn't just haphazardly do that. Names were more significant than just a name. They meant something deep about you. We don't, some, some of us do that, some of us don't, but that's not as big of a thing in, in the 21st century. God would reveal his names to his people. We see that, that's why I love, I'm gonna preach a sermon series someday on the names of God. But at first he just said, I what? I am. <laughs> Who are you? I am. What do you mean, I am? What do you mean, I am? In other words, you can't box me in. But then he started revealing more. One, he said, I am Elohim. Other times he said, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the God who provides. Other times he said, I am El Shaddai. And there's all these other names, probably six or seven at least, other names of God that he revealed. But in this case, he said this in the Hebrew, I am Jehovah Rapha, R-A-P-H-A. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals. I want you to walk out of here today and impress your friends. So in, in, in a few seconds, we're gonna have you out loud and loudly say Jehovah Rapha. You can walk out today and say, you know some Hebrew. You don't have to tell them it's one, two words. Okay? Just, I know Hebrew. So on the count of three, one, two, three, Jehovah Rapha. Let's do that again. Jehovah Rapha. Now here's what's so critical. This isn't saying I am the God who heals. I am the God who will heal. I am the God who might heal. I am the God who heals. God equals healing. Not will even, but this is who he is. You can't separate out his name from who he is. Just like, same for you, right? Your name is who, you can't separate out God the healer from who God is. That's game changing. Absolutely game changing. So I wanna come back to the question. Do you need to see God's healing today? Is there maybe a root of bitterness in your life? That's what God needs to heal. Maybe it's something that is internally you know, astray. Maybe it is something externally astray. It's not just limited, healing's not just limited to bones and muscles and tendons and organs, it's, it's the mind. You need his healing in your mind today. That could be the root of bitterness that you've allowed to seep into your mind. And Romans 12 tells us that we need to renew our mind. That he wants to work in our mind and make it into more Christ-like. Where do you need to see his healing today? And I want to ask you a question. We're going to have a time of response today, so get ready. Like, this is not, oh, Mark, good, inf decent information, and I learned something new. I learned a little bit of God is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who heals. Uh, I've been praying for a long time that today people walk out of here healed. Why not? Like, come on, man. Why not? I was driving, I had about a 15-minute drive in this morning. Dale and I were driving in here today. He's somewhere running around this church. And, uh, and, uh, I was praying, God, do something today. Do something today that only you can do because that's who he is. What if healing and seeing people healed just became a natural part of what happened at the Valley Church? Jesus opened the school, physical, spiritual, social, economical. Physical healing was a normal part of what Jesus did. And guess what, church? It's still a normal part. I was reading this past week in the Gospels. Jesus said, you can do the same things I did and even greater. And that always messes with me. And the difference is, not only is there a lot more time, he only had three years of his earthly ministry. That's part of what he was getting at. But he gave his spirit. The same spirit that wrote Jesus Christ from the grave is veiled within us. And it's not us doing it. It's him doing it. We're gonna give you a chance to experience healing today.
Oh, by the way, I said, what if that would become the normal thing? Do you know it's already the normal thing at the Valley? I asked some people uh, recently to share stories of healing that we've experienced across the Valley in the last year or less. There's been two people at the Valley who had cancer and after prayer for healing, God, the cancer either uh, has shrunk or it's, it can't even see it anymore. Okay? Yeah, we can clap, yeah. No joke, there's a lady who was in a walk, uh, walked with a walker and we pray, the, a group of people prayed over her for healing and she no longer needs that walker anymore. Yay God, Jehovah Rapha. This is not some weird thing. I grew up seeing, well, you gotta come up on a stage and someone's gonna bang your forehead and knock you backward. This is, doesn't have to be weird. This is normal. And it's not about bringing attention to me. We don't do that at all. It is 100% glorification to God, Jehovah Rapha. I wrote these down so I didn't forget them. The list continues on. There's been, uh, someone was healed of a broken relationship. A broken relationship, God healed that this past year. Someone who was addicted to smoking, God healed them of that addiction. Uh, numerous people with knee, knee and shoulder ailments, God has healed at the valley this past year. Someone was released from childhood trauma. Talk about the bitterness. God healed them of that trauma. Another per couple people, someone who had physical abuse in their past, someone who had sexual abuse in their past, God has healed them and set them free from the bondage and from the bitterness that had seeped into their minds, understandably so. One per one guy, he was released from unforgiveness. And it was unforgiveness of himself for something he had done in his life. And God healed him this year at the valley and set him free from that self-torture. Someone else, uh, there was one other of an emo emotional stronghold. Someone had an emotional stronghold and God healed them. Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals, you can't separate it out. It's not like it's just today. It wasn't just 10,000 years ago. It is happening. It is who he is. What if he decided to heal today? I'm a pragmatist. I don't have time to get too philosophical on too many things. I just believe like, why not? I, what do I have to lose by asking him to heal? What do I have to lose by trusting? The worst case scenario is nothing changes. Best case scenario, I'm healed. Like again, I'm a pragmatist, just common sense. I don't pretend to know why God doesn't always heal. I know because for everyone who's born, one dies, at some point, healing on this side of heaven doesn't happen. But as long as we're here, why would we not stop giving up? Or why would we give up? Why would we not stop knocking on the door? Why would we not stop asking? Why would we, and it's not just a belief. This is not a name it and claim it thing. This is a belief. Now belief in our Western world, we always, because we think more uh, head knowledge, belief in the New Testament in the original language in the Greek was an action. It wasn't, oh, I believe that God can heal. It was God heals, all right, let's do it. <laughs> let's see it happen. That's what his kingdom looks like then. That's why his kingdom is not just a future kingdom. It is a here and now kingdom. And so you and I should live with expectancy. That's why I get pretty stoked every time we gather at any of our locations, whether I'm physically there or not, doesn't matter when I'm there. I'm even more stoked because I'm there. I have an expectancy that God's gonna show up and he's gonna do something incredible. I remember one time, and we're gonna end with a song here in a second. I remember one time, I was a high school teacher for a long time, and I, I remember sitting in the back of a, a service 
And we went into a time of response, and I remember, just like we're gonna do today, we're gonna to have different ones on our connection team around the perimeter wall, nothing weird or whatever, but if you need prayer today, they're gonna to be there for you. I'm gonna be up front, I have some anointing oil. We're gonna open up the, all the response stations. But I remember they said, hey, if you need any healing today, if you need prayer for healing today, would you, would you just raise your hand? And I'm sitting in the back, I'm by nature very uh, introverted. <laughs> Um, God just has a sense of humor putting me in front of people all the time. I'm reserved. I was sitting in the back and I kind of stuck my hand up because I was dealing with some anxiety in my mind. And I remember that connection guy coming over to me and he didn't, again, we're not gonna ask you every detail. If you wanna share, that's great, that's fine. But I just said, hey, I need, I need God to do some healing in my mind. And he laid his hand, put his hand on my shoulder and, and he just prayed. I don't know what he prayed. But, and it wasn't like, oh, instantaneously, all that anxiety was gone but it started the process. And I knew in that moment that God knew what was going on. Sometimes it's just good. I was talking to someone in between services. This person is like, how in the world did everything you guys talk about today come right back to me? They're like, I'm struggling with bitterness. I'm struggling, I, I, I saw a skateboard this way. It was just, I was like, I said, because he sees you, because he's absolutely 100% crazy about you and you matter to him, and whether he heals or not, how awesome is that, that the creator of the universe, he's got like seven billion people and like 14 billion problems, he sees you. It's crazy. We're gonna close with a song today, it's a new song. The point is that about singing the song, although the song really fits with what I just talked about. It's a chance to respond. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna stand in a few moments after I pray. Uh, and actually, I would encourage you to come up and receive communion. We have stations all around this place. Maybe today you remember and you celebrate. We, we serve an open communion at the Valley. You don't have to be a member. You don't even have to be a regular tender. If you're a follower of Jesus, per his requirement in 1 Corinthians 10, you have to be a follower of his. It's a big deal. If you're not a follower of his, I encourage you to make that decision today. But we're gonna, maybe you come up and you remember and you celebrate. You remember and celebrate how he's healed you or someone that you, he, that you love that he's healed them but that today would be a day where you experience him in a way you've never experienced him before. And we're gonna open up the stations here for prayer. If you wanna come up and pray, that would be awesome. If you wanna, we have names over there on the side. If you wanna put the name, or you can put an initial, you don't have to put the full name of a person, but someone you're gonna to invite to Easter Sunday. We're just gonna have people moving around. But if you need some healing today, Maybe you kneel at your seat with your spouse and you pray for healing or intercede on someone else's behalf. Maybe you pray with one of our people scattered around the room who would love to pray with you. I had people come up for service and anointed over them, prayed over them. Uh, and I would love to do that if that's what you're seeking today. But we have seven, eight, 10 minutes, whatever. We're just gonna invite the Holy Spirit. He's already here. Man, he's here. <laughs> it's crystal clear he's here. What if today, what if, why not? What if today Jehovah Rapha became real to you? What if today was the day that it began a process of God's healing in your life? Do you believe he can do it? Sometimes I have to pray the prayer, God, would you forgive me of my unbelief? Because <laughs> I'm like, that's too big. Well, that's too big for God. How silly that is. <laughs> Do you believe? I mean, seriously, do you believe that he's crazy about you? And do you believe that the same God who revealed himself to those people many years ago with bitter water and said, I am Jehovah Rapha, is Jehovah Rapha today? Would you stand with me?
Let's pray. And I want you to know this as we pray. The Lord, the Lord, your healer is here. He's not out there. He's not over there. He's here. Jehovah Rapha is in this place. Jehovah Rapha is with you wherever you're watching right now. Come Holy Spirit, we need you. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Come in your power, come in your presence. Father, and I pray as we respond today, whether that's receiving communion, someone we're gonna invite who we want to experience the person of Jehovah Rapha, whether it's a candle we light to, to make a decision for you, whether it's something we put on the cross of an area we wanna heal or whether it's we come for prayer today and we, we seek you out. God, would you, would you do what only you can do? God, would you bring heaven to this earth? God, I pray right now that the supernatural would collide with the natural in Pickwell, Ohio and we would never be the same. Come Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app today to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you or changed your life, share it with a friend. Because changed lives, change lives.